Thanks so much. It's interesting to be uh, in 4A, isn't it? But it's kind of cozy, and there's a, there's a goodness to this as well. So welcome to 4B. Welcome to New City Church. My name is Kevin Ha. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, let's go into the sermon. So we are in the middle of a series on spiritual practice called... The Sacred Path, Following Jesus in Everyday Life. Uh, Donna, last week, kicked us off uh, in this series. Wasn't she great? Yeah, she was great. Thanks. You know, we want to thank her. So we said that spiritual practices are things that we do to put ourselves in a place where God can take a hold of us. There are things that we do to put us in the presence of God, and it's, it's sort of like, uh, we, we said it's kind of like hitchhiking. You, you, you stick your hand up, put yourself on the street so somebody can pick you up. And so we put ourselves in the presence of God so that God can take a hold of us and heal us, transform us, um, guide us, and empower us. So it's God who's going to change you, who's going to heal you. It's God who's going to work in you. But it's us who put ourselves in a place where God can take a hold of you. And that's what spiritual practices are. And today what we're going to talk about is a, a kind of a spiritual practice we call practicing the presence of God. And today's passage is very simple. Um, is First Thessalonians chapter five verse seventeen, and we're all going to memorize this verse. Okay, so you you now have one Bible verse you've memorized. Pray continually. That's it. <laughs> Amen. Pray continually, and then uh, John chapter fifteen verse five says this: "I am divine; you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit." Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, what does it mean to pray continually? What does it mean to remain in the vine, remain in Jesus? And one way to do that is to learn how to practice the presence of God in our everyday life. And, you know, sometimes the biggest hindrance to wanting to be with God it's really not knowing how much God wants to be with us. Sometimes we think of it as, oh, yeah, we got to do this as a duty because that's what we're supposed to do. But we don't really understand the extent of God's desire to be with us. You know, um, it was 1991 when I first fell in love with Grace. We started to get to know each other. Um, we started to go out to dinner regularly. She lived in Syracuse, New York, uh, working for a legal aid law firm. She's a lawyer. And I was in law school in Ithaca, which was about an hour drive away. And we saw each other a couple of times a week. And, um, you know, we went out to dinner. We started to, uh, you know, we started to do a lot of things. Uh, we, I started to talk to her on the phone for hours and hours. My grades started to suffer, but then I thought to myself, it's the second year in law school. It doesn't really matter as much. Um, 
And during the summer, <clears throat> I came out to LA uh, to work as a summer associate in the firm. That's how I ended up in LA. And, um, and she was still in New York, and we talked to each other on the phone for hours every day. And this was before the advent of unlimited long distance calls, and it was expensive, but you know, I, I fell asleep talking to her on the phone. I, so, I, I spent so much money on phone bill that, you know, I, <laughs> Literally close to $1,000 a month. This was crazy. It was, like I said, before the advent of long-distance phone plans. Um, I, I just remember missing her so much. I just wanted to be with her. I wanted to see her. I remember how I missed her so much that I actually felt pain physically because I wanted to see her because I wanted to be with her. You know, the story of the Bible is a love story of God's desire to be with us. You know, the reason that God created people is so that he could be with us. As hard as it is to believe, the reason you and I exist and, and, and that we have a body, we have a mind, we have a freedom of choice, freedom of will. All these things is so that God could be with you. You know, the Bible says in the Garden of Eden that God would come and walk in the cool of the day with the man and the woman that he created. Walk in the cool of the day. It's a description of this relationship, this fellowship. But when sin came, even though it meant that we were designed to be with God, somehow we were separated from God. And from that moment on, it, it's like God was driven by this desire, this one desire. I just want to be with them. I love these people so much. I want to be with them. At first, we see this uh, in the lives of some of the individuals. The Bible says God was with Enoch. God was with Noah. God was with Abraham. Sometimes we see it in uh, surprising people. Abraham had one son named Ishmael. Ishmael was not the ancestor of Israel. In fact, Israelites would come to think of Ishmael, the descendants of Israel, uh, Ishmael, as an enemy of Israel. But in the book of Genesis, we read, and the Lord was with the boy Ishmael as he grew up. The Lord was with Joseph when he was enslaved. The Lord was with Joseph when he was in prison. And God formed a nation, Israel, so that he could have a people to be with. And to make it concrete for the people of Israel, he, he created, he constructed a tent. And he called the tent the tent of meeting or tabernacle. And God said, so here's what he said in um, Exodus. I will consecrate the tent of meeting. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. And later in the book, we read this. When then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It's, it's as if God is saying, maybe when they see the tent, maybe 
when they see the glory, they'll think about how much I want to be with them. And maybe some of them will want to be with me. You know, David um, was so struck by God's presence with him that he writes this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depth, you are there. You know, but God is still not satisfied with the tabernacle. It's not enough for him. One day, God says, I I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually go down. And I'm going to be with them. And a baby is born in Bethlehem. And he's given, among other names, Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And John says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God actually became a human being to be with us. And then it says that Jesus appointed his 12 disciples so that he could be with them. And he wants to be with people. It wasn't just those 12. It turns out that this whole plan of Israel and Jesus coming down and being with his disciples was part of God's grand plan so that he could be with all of the people of the world. And to make this possible, he died for us so that we can have access to the Father through the atoning work of Jesus on the cross for our sins, to reconcile us, to give us peace with God. And then he sent his Holy Spirit to the hearts of people so that we, he could dwell within us. He could be with us all the time. He says, I want to be with you all the time. You know, this theme is just all the way through the Bible even all the way through the end of the Bible. If you look at Revelations, it says this. There's this vision of this final redeemed community, the, the new city, the final new Jerusalem, as it's called, the final vision of the kingdom of God. And it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. It's like at the end, God says, at last, at last I am with them. At last, no more loneliness for anyone. And Jesus' final word before he left earth, and this is what he said to his disciples. He says, his disciples, he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age and surely I will be with you always wherever you go wherever you do I will be with you and so the question is you know how do we do this how do we do this we know we see God's heart we see God's desire and passion to be with us but how how can we be with God in our ordinary moments, in everyday places, all the time, one moment to the next. You know, how can we practice the presence of God? You know, so 
I've been influenced by this guy named Brother Lawrence. He's a 17th century monk. And um, actually, he's not a monk. He's actually cook in a monastery. Uh, but uh, he wrote several letters, and there's a compilation of his letters, and it's called Practicing the Presence of God. It's, very, it's, it's free on the Internet. You can read it. It's very good. And, and, and the other person that I'm influenced by is uh, my wife, Grace's mom. Um, she lives out every day and every moment of her life um, practicing the presence of God. She, she converses with God uh, every every moment, you know, she talks to God. She's constantly thanking God, constantly praying to God, constantly uh, thinking. You know, if she's struggling with something, constantly talks to God about it. She's been an amazing model for us, and they taught me about practicing the presence of God while we are doing ordinary day-to-day things. And so, how do we do this? So, in, in the time left in the sermon today, what I want to do is to share with you, to walk with you through an ordinary day, from waking up in the morning to sleep at night. And we'll go through the day, and, um, and we'll talk about how we can spend that day with Jesus. Um, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to do anything different. So it doesn't mean you're going to stop and go on a silent retreat for 30 days to be with the Lord. Um, Today, the focus is whatever you're doing through the day, how are you going to do it with Jesus? How are you going to practice the presence of God? And so, um, you know, I I know that for many of us, when we thinking about when we think about spiritual practices, when we think about um, God, we mostly think about like going to church, reading the Bible, maybe some religious activities and things like that. But we don't really think about how we can do this throughout our ordinary day when we're working, when we're driving, when we're getting ready in the morning. And, you know, our regular routines when we're, when we're with our kids, you know, your dad just having a tough time or a mom having, you know, how do you do, how do you practice the presence of God throughout normal, ordinary things? The intent today is not to overwhelm you and say, you guys got to do all of these things. You're not going to be able to do it. I want you to, I'm going to present you with a smorgasbord of ideas. Um, Like, it's a buffet, okay? You don't have to eat it all. I know some of you will. And that's awesome. You don't have to eat it all. Just pick one. Just pick one idea and try to practice it tomorrow and see what happens. All right? That's, That's my goal. That's my hope for you. So... Let's start with waking up. So uh, for some of us, first thing we do when we get up in the morning, what do you, what do, you do when you get up in the morning? Yeah, check your phone. That, I'm, I'm, I guess that's, that's what I, I have a tendency to do that. You, you check your phone, you check social media, weather, whatever. You, know, you check the basic stuff. But what if, instead of checking the phone first, you just the first thing you do is wake up and say good morning to God. Good morning. Just say, you know, nothing wrong. Just say good morning. Just share a prayer and go, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for another day. I, I heard of this guy who, who made it at a habit, and I thought it was a cool idea, and I did it for a while, where he said uh, when, he, when he got out of bed, he tried to make it so that his knees 
are the first thing that touches the ground. So he would just get out of his bed in a certain way that his knees are falling to the ground and just says, God, good morning. Thank you for this day. Guide me. That's it. What if you just begin the day acknowledging God's presence in your life? And then, um, and then we, all, um, we all have to wash up, right? So some of us more than others. Uh, so wash our face or you know, brush our teeth. We take a shower. Most of us do that in the morning. Um, I, I think there are a couple of different ways to practice God's presence while you're showering. One is to uh, just, you know, when you're showering, you're just there. You can't reach your phone. There's no temptation to do anything other than just take a shower. And so you, you, you just like, what if you take that moment and, uh, and turn your attention to God and ask God to speak to you about today? So... You know, prayer is not just talking to God. It's also listening to God. What if you take that moment to listen to God and say, ask God to give you a word. Ask God to give you an image. Ask God to give you something. Give you a, um, give you a, a, a sense of desire for something. If you're struggling with depression, for example, ask God to just help you with your energy level. Whatever it is, just, just one thing, you know, just, just, and then listen for what God might be saying to you. Another thing that you might do uh, while taking a shower, you know, obviously we're, we're taking a shower to cleanse our bodies, right? But we also need to cleanse ourselves. Paul says, um, Paul cleanse ourselves spiritually as well. Paul says that Jesus wants to make us holy by the washing of water of the word to present us before God one day without stain, wrinkle, or blemish. God wants to sanctify us. God, But one of the things that we have to do in order to do that is to begin to reflect and acknowledge our sins, our mistakes, our idols, are, are uh, something things that are in our heart, maybe bitterness, uh, anger, hatred, or you know, uh, we, we need to begin to acknowledge that. And so, when you take, when you're washing your face or taking a shower, you can, you can just kind of pray. God just says, "This soap and water is cleaning my body. Cleanse me of my bitterness. Cleanse me." My wrong intentions, my impurities, my destructive desires, the thoughts that would lead me away from love, joy in your presence. Cleanse me. And so, you know, like, because it's, it's, you're cleaning yourself and you're also confessing and asking God to clean you. You know, I share this um, sermon in Skid Row um, about 10 years ago. And uh, there was this ministry, outdoor ministry called Love LA, uh, and I used to preach there regularly. And and this um, about five years later, um, this this short little woman, uh, older woman, came up to me and says, "I remember your sermon five years ago." He says, and then she goes, "I do that. I wash my sin away every morning." <laughs> So I go, wow, you know, sometimes, 
you know, you, as a preacher, you always, you always get impressed when people remember your sermon five years later. And so I was, you know, I was very encouraged. But, you know, it, it was something that resonated with her, and she started to practice that. What if we did, you have to take a shower anyway. What if you use the time in shower to practice the presence of God? Then you have to get dressed, right? Um, getting, you know, when you get dressed, think of it as putting on God's love and God's grace for you. Biblically, it's called clothing yourself with the righteousness of God. We are not righteous, as we learned in Romans. We are not righteous because we have earned it. You know, we did all the do's and we didn't do all the don'ts. Uh, no, our righteousness came as a gift. God has clothed you with righteousness. And, you know, what is righteousness? It's, it's essentially God saying, you're good. You're accepted. God, there is no condemnation. There is embrace. There is acceptance. And so God, clothe, that, that's what God has given to you as a gift. So practice speaking that, preaching that good news to yourself. yourself. Practice the preaching of the gospel to yourself. I am a child of God. I am being clothed as a child of God. I am, as I'm being clothed, I am righteous. I am good. God considers me righteous. There is no condemnation. So if there's a spirit of condemnation in you, you know, where you're like, oh, I'm no good. I screwed this up. Or, uh, no, God loves you. Clothe yourself with God's love. Preach love to yourself. Preach grace to yourself. You don't have to be perfect, as we talked about. God's not calling you to be perfect. (laughs) Otherwise, God would be fine working with you through righteousness, through work. But God is always dealing with you with grace, which means he expects imperfection. And so be gracious to yourself. Demonstrate grace as you put on your clothes. You are loved. Because you are loved no matter what. And then you got to eat something, right? Breakfast. Um, you know, Jesus pray, uh, taught us to give thanks for our daily bread. So all food is a gift from God. It's, 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 it's an expression of how good God is. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.7 says, eat your bread with joy. So I think this is a good time to practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Just, you know, just say, thank you for this food. Thank you for this. Thank you for, and then go through the supply chain. Now that's a word that I know these days. Go through the entire supply chain and say, thank you for the people who sold me, people who stocked the groceries, people who you know, are truckers who brought the, brought the uh, bread to the supermarket. Thank you for the people who grew it. Thank you. 
And so just thinking through all the people involved and the blessing that you're receiving. And maybe there are other things as well in your life that you need to be intentional about. I know that when we think about our lives, we, we can think about 20 things that we don't like about what's going on in our lives. Only five things we like about what's going on in our lives. But the call is to be grateful for everything. Amen. Grateful for everything because God is with you. And learn to give thanks. You know, for those who are uh, doing 12 steps and they're recovering in spirit, I know uh, if you're getting sponsored, one of the things that they do every day is to do a gratitude list. Because once you learn to give thanks, your brain actually changes. This is, this is actually, it's, it's not just Bible, it's science. Gratitude helps you live, out, live your day happier. And so um, remember to give thanks. You know, how you do this, think about it. Just as you're thinking, as you're eating, you can just say, thank you for this, thank you for that. Just try to think of five things that you're thankful for and verbalize it, okay? And the next part, you might, um, you know, you go on doing some sort of a devotional. I think we do need to have some time in our day to just uh, set aside to be um, exclusively, uh, you know, just with you and God and reading of the scriptures. And, and, and some, you know, you don't have to think about this in like a big way. You don't have to say, oh, I'm going to spend 30 minutes. I'm going to spend an hour in the morning and I'm going to have my devotion every day. And that's my New Year's resolution. And you break it the second day and you go, okay, well... <laughs> You know, that's not going to work. But you know, just think about it as like a five-minute thing. You know, you just open the Bible and ask the Spirit of God to speak to you. Do Lectio Divina. I mean, the simplest form of Lectio Divina is just, just read the Bible, just one verse, two verses, and, and just ask the Lord, is there a word or phrase that you want me to contemplate, you want me to think about today? And so until you receive that word, you just like, you just read it. And then when you receive that word, just stop. Just say, Lord, what is it that you want to talk about? Why did you make me stop at this word? And have a little conversation with God. Remember, the Lord is with you. You're not just praying. It's not just you talking. God is talking to you as well. So you create space for God to speak to you, to empower you, to guide you. And so, um, and, and use the Bible as a tool of the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And so I have a conversation with God. And then, you know, say, just, you can do it silently. You can talk out loud. And then after a little bit of back and forth, just pause and contemplate. Thank you, Lord. Just pause. Spend some time in silence. That's it. That's, a, that's one of the easiest ways to have a devotional. Or you can read a devotional guide. There's a zillion ways to have a devotional. But it's so important to take some time during the day to do that. Um, and then we do have to get to the phone and all the social media and the news, right? I mean, we, we, we're going to do it sometime. And so... Maybe this is, 
you know, let's think about how we can do that with Jesus. How can we read the paper? Not really the paper anymore. How can we read the news or um, on whatever source that you get your news from with Jesus? You know, I, I want you to know that spiritual formation doesn't just come from Scripture. Remember when we talked about deep and wide formation? That spiritual formation comes from uh, deep formation, meaning um, you go deep in the scripture. You know, you just soak in it. You try to understand it, or you allow the spirit of God to speak to you through it. But there's also wide. You listen to various different voices because we all understand life through a different lens. And so... Think of, you know, it's like scripture forms us, but also nature, the world also forms us. And so we have to be wise about how we are formed by the world, but we also have to listen to the world. You can't just reject the world. You have to listen to what people are saying. What, What if we trained ourselves to listen to the news or read the news with God's eyes, with God's ears? God's heart you know how are you listening to the news like when you're when you're reading something that's happening in Turkey you know just imagine God is reading that with you how is God feeling about this event you know or um, on the other you you should also listen to as, as 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 people talk about you know protests or this happening that happening or you're reading an opinion section listen to whatever they're saying Listen to their point of view and consider it and learn from it. Learn from various different voices in your life. Listen um, to people and listen with God's ears. And and I I think it's important that we don't listen to the news with an eye of judgment. You know, sometimes you go, oh, those people, um, you know, we, we're just like condemning people as we hearing, as we hear what's going on. What if we actually read it with eyes of compassion, eyes of justice, eyes of love? And if you read about tragedy, what's going on, lament, practice, the spiritual practice of lament. Lament is just speaking out to God and being real with him and complaining to God. What the heck is going on, God? You you know, you can just be real to God and complain to God. I don't understand why this is going on. There are certain things that happen all around us in which we just don't understand why it happens. Talk to God. Be real with God in those moments. So we're going to you know, read the news, listen to the news anyway. So why not do it with Jesus, huh? And then, of course, uh, now we're driving. Driving to uh, work, driving to school or families or daycare or whatever. Uh, I, know, I know some of you spend a couple of hours a day driving. That's just horrendous. But what if you continue to converse with God while driving? But, you know, Pray, but don't close your eyes. That's, that's not good. In fact, you know, when, you know yeah, when Jesus prayed in those times, they didn't actually close their eyes. They, they prayed with their eyes open. They looked up to the heavens when they pray. We have a different way of praying usually for most of us. But, you know, I think, um, I think, I think driving is a good time to intercede for other people. 
you know? Because it's hard to actually say, hard to actually sit down and think about all these people that you're gonna pray for. And you know, there are seasons in my life when I did this, I, I used to have a long list of people that I'm praying for every day and I would switch up the list and things like that, but it was hard to sustain. So what I try to do now is that as I'm driving, you know, I'm, all the people that are, um, that are Rolodexing in my head, Rolodex, do you know what that is? Anyway, uh, um, you know, flipping through in my head in the contact. Uh, and, and so, you, you, you know, you begin, oh, yeah, you know, such and such person is sick. You know, Lord, would you be with them? So what if you begin to intercede people? Oh, you know, mom is going through such a hard time because of this. Lord, just, just be with mom. Just intercede for people around you. Intercede for, for the world. You know, there, it's, it's hard to find time, you know, realistically to say, I'm going to pray for, you know, this, uh, you know, world issue, this issue of social justice, this. But, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes, you know, you listen to the news or you listen to, to a podcast, something sparks you. And take a moment to pause that podcast and spend some time in prayer for that people. You know, if, if you listen to, you know, I listen to the Daily by New York Times uh, almost every morning. And so sometimes afterwards, I, I, I like to just pause and go, you know, just raise up a prayer for whatever I heard. You know, the issue or people or tragedy or controversy. And, and so I, I think interceding is a great practice. Um, some of us, I, and there's one other thing that I used to do um, I don't do it as much, but I know some of you, this would be perfect. Listen to some great music, especially, you know, a hymn or worship music or classical music or something, and just allow the music to take you to God's presence, you know. And a car is, is a perfect place to do it. When you're walking to work, putting on a headset and just listening to great music, especially music about God's love and presence in your life. And um, I, I love it when you're listening to just a, a great worship music, and then you get to the destination, you turn off your car, but your brain is playing that all day long. It's on loop because you kind of stopped it in the middle. And I love that. It, it just it does something to your life. Then we get to our work. And, um, you know, like work, it, it, you can't think about, you know, practicing the presence of God in this kind of, kind of like praying or uh, you, you have to focus on your work, right? And that's perfectly fine. Um, and, and, you know, we, we all work in one capacity to another. Or we all need to work or have the desire to work. Um, and work is not just getting paid. It's just adding value to the world. Um, and when you get to your office or your little computer area in your house or your warehouse or store, classroom, kitchen or whatever, just start out the day by inviting Jesus to work with you today. Just be with me today. Help me to acknowledge you. Help me to be with you. And then work as if you're working for the Lord. That's what the scripture teaches. You know, it is, you know, spiritual practice of work is not about just 
um, you know, not working and thinking about God. It's working as if you're working for the Lord. Be the best at whatever you could be. Uh, be as good as you can be, as good as God has built you to be. Be as faithful as you can be. Um, you know, if, if, if be the best teacher, medical professional, student, waiter, custodian, construction worker, artist, business person, entertainer, parent. Um, be what God has called you to be. And learn, you know, and take some time from time to time to integrate your work and your faith. How is it that God is using my work for the kingdom of God? See, kingdom of God is not just about, you know, some people think of kingdom of God as like, oh, how can I use my work to share the gospel with people? Yes, that is an aspect of it. The other aspect is how can I use my work to love people? Not just relationally, but love in the sense of reducing suffering. What am I doing to contribute value to the world, to help bring, out, bring a better world? You know, so you're part of that. And so that's you know, it's part of God's calling. You don't have to do something religious to be with the Lord. You can do something that cultivates the culture and reduce suffering in the world. And that's part of God's calling in your life, you know? Um, so, so work. Um, and then you, you have, uh, there's lunchtime, right? You got to eat something. Um, and during that lunch, you know, what if you focus on just people around you, you know, sharing a meal together? You know, you know if you look at the book of Luke, Jesus was either going to a meal or at a meal or coming back from the meal a majority of the times in that book. It's amazing. Uh, Jesus minister around a meal. Eating together is like the ultimate. That's why we're trying to eat together more often as we try to rebuild community after the pandemic. And so just eat with people around you. You don't, you don't have to feel like I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to evangelize. I'll tell them what's real. No, no, no. Just love. Just be with them. Don't, don't do that. Don't have a meal with an agenda. I, you know, I, I used to have a meal with an agenda. But as I look back now, I think I, I just need to, we just need to love and be with people and embrace people. Especially people who don't have people to go out to lunch with. Pick them and, you know, love on them. Love them. And then uh, I think we come to a point sometime during the day where... Um, when we come across need, when, you know, uh, when we need to help, when we call to help, maybe it's the people that we have a relationship with, you know, family members sick or something, or, or sometimes we just open our eyes and see people in need around us, whether we have a relationship with them or not. And I think when we see need, one of the first things we should do is just listen for God's voice. So, Lord, I see this need. I know you see this need. What are you saying? What are you, is there anything? Um, And then sometimes you go, oh, somebody ought to do something about this. You know, somebody, oh, that's so screwed up. Oh, that's so terrible. Somebody ought to do something like that, something about this. Maybe God is calling you to be that somebody to do something about. Maybe God is calling you to actually walk into the sufferings of people around you. You know, 
this is one of the reasons why I feel like Christianity is not ultimately about seeking happiness. Um, because, you know, if you're seeking happiness, you want to avoid all forms of suffering. And you want to avoid all forms of suffering around you. Oh, you know, I, I know you're suffering, but my life, I don't want you around. Because I'm, I'm trying to be happy. I'm trying to find peace in my life. And you just mess me up, dude. The guy, you know, I, I just don't want to deal with you because I got a little plan for my life. And I want to be happy. And you're not part of it. I think God is calling us to embrace suffering of people around us. Because he never, act, if, you, if you look through the Bible, the word happiness is very rare. Always talks about love. And love always comes with a level of suffering. Like sacrifice, through, you know, agape love, unconditional love has an element of sacrifice, which is not a happy thing to do. But it's a loving thing to do. And as we engage, we see beauty. And ultimately, you find happiness as you seek love, as you seek to love people around you. And maybe it's, you know, in the beginning, it's just need, uh, you know, a physical need. Uh, you know, or, or they just need someone to hear them, to listen to them, to be with them. Yeah, maybe Sometimes it's more than that. Sometimes, you know, they're, they're struggling because of a systemic issue, because of a structural issue, social justice issue. They're a victim. They're marginalized because of their immigration status, because of the color of their skins, because of who they are, because of their class, because of their education. All of these things, they're, they're structural issues. And maybe God is calling you to do something about that. And I know we get overwhelmed. Oh, there's just so many issues of social justice. Uh, I can't do any of it I mean, because there's too much. We, we tend to think, unless we can do everything and fix the world, we're, we should just do nothing. Because what's to use? It's going to be messed up anyway. That's what we tell ourselves, right? But I love that when we actually see something, maybe you're the one who should do something about it because you're the one who is close to the issue. You're the one who God brought to the issue. Maybe you're not the leader who's going to change the world, but maybe you are the person who's going to bring some extra heaters in Sanborn Hotel, for example. You can do something about that. You can't fix, maybe you can't fix the problem that Sanborn Hotel is owned by Skid Row Housing Trust, who is financially busted right now, and they can't even fix their own facilities. You know, I, I don't know if, you know, you go, oh, what can we do about that? Maybe there are some people who can do something about that, but maybe for you, your call is just to mobilize people and get some heaters because the building, because of financial issues, not turning on the heat in the middle of the cold winter. So that's an example of something, um, something we should think about. Just conversing with God, conversing with God, thinking about it from God's perspective and listening to the people around us and in being willing to step into problems instead of stepping out a problem. That's a, because I think if we walk through the day with the Lord, sometimes the Lord guides us in a way that are completely different than our selfish mindset. 
in our selfish mindset is, I need this, and Lord, you're going to bring it to me. You know, that's kind of way we do our kind of spirituality. But when we walk with the Lord and begin to converse with the Lord, he says something a little bit surprising. And he empowers us. There's something that builds us up. Something that, you know, he builds up a passion, gives us meaning, he gives us a purpose. He makes us a vehicle to do something awesome, at least for one people, one person. Or maybe for a whole neighborhood. Who knows? It starts somewhere, right? Ooh, okay. I gotta, I gotta move on faster. Next thing, you gotta have some fun. You gotta have some fun. I just want you to know God is not against you having fun. Playing some games, watching some, you know, watching TV, going on vacation. You know, sometimes people feel guilty about having fun because, oh, I like, you're called to love the world. Like, oh, to go on a vacation, who am I? No, no. God even built in a Sabbath and told you to rest and relax, right? Every week. We all need to relax at times, whether it's a Sabbath, whether you go on vacation, whether you just decompress, whether you go on motorcycle rides, or whatever it is that you like to do, you need to just have fun and don't feel guilty about having fun, all right? Don't feel guilty about having fun. That's, that's just not a good thing. Um, but sometimes, you know, if you're having too, if you're watching too much TV or too much TikTok constantly, too much of this or that, you know, the Lord can speak to you as you're doing it. Ah, you know, maybe you need to cut that a little bit. I heard a, man, I heard a story of a man who told his wife that he would never want to live in a vegetative state dependent upon a machine. He said, if I get into that, if I get in that shape, I... I just want you to pull the plug. And so the wife got up and pulled the plug of the television. <laughs> yeah, I had to tell that joke. But anyway, family time, you know, just spend time with kids, reading, be, being creative. You know, uh, for parents, I know for newborn parents, this is something that I tell them all the time when, um, uh, when, they're, when, they're, when they're new parents, and I said, you know, there is absolutely crazy. There's no, it's, it's hard to find any sane moment in a day, you know, when you're a new parent. And sometimes it's, it's like a blur for many years in the beginning. Um, and then you forget about it and have another baby. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so like, like when they bring home the baby, you know, I, one of the things that I suggest is, you know, there's, you know, the, the Lord told us to be like little infants. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, become like little infants. It's not just a kid, an infant. And so I tell them, you know, when you're breastfeeding them, when you're, when you're feeding them, when they're, when they're taking a nap in your arm, you know, there's some down times. You know, just think about what is it about the kingdom of God that you can learn from this little baby? What is, and I, I say that to every new parent, and one parent, one mother practiced this, and, and she would just, she would come up with so many deep thoughts from that just one meditation. What is it that the Lord wants me to learn from my little baby about the kingdom of God? What is it that the Lord wants you to learn 
from your children. Of course, they need to learn from you as well, but you are called to learn from your children. What is it? So, you know, uh, read to them, learn from them. Here's the, um, uh, the last part is this. Let me just close by um, talking about ending the day. One of the, my favorite spiritual practices is daily examine. And to, you know, you can, uh, you can do it alone. You can do it with your uh, spouse, your partner, uh, your family, light a candle, and, and just kind of spend a time reflecting. And, you know, one easy way to do it is, what was your high of the day? What is your low? When did you feel connected, most connected to God? When did you feel disconnected from God? But because you know God was always connected to you, but when did you feel disconnected? And so you kind of share that, and then you just share a quick prayer, and that's the end of the day, and you go to bed. Now, I'm, I'm not, like, once again, I, I want to tell you, I'm not asking you or expecting anyone, including myself, to do all of these things. But just, what if you carry that idea of practicing the presence of God in your life just as a general posture and using various different moments in the day and being creative about how you engage, how, how you are with the Lord, and learning to have just conversation with God throughout the day, like my mother-in-law. Just learn to have that conversation with God. You know, I know that we are, uh, as a church, um, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're post-evangelical. We're, we're, not, um, we're not a typical church. Yet, I see so many beautiful people of faith in evangelicalism. Even though I disagree with them on a lot of different issues, you know, like my mother-in-law. You know, she, she deeply loves the Lord. I think we should learn to appreciate everyone, you know, in their faith as they seek to walk with the Lord every moment of our lives and not judge people based on where they stand. Just love them. Yes. Your family members. I know some of you have difficulties with your family members. Just love them. Just respect them. Just pray with them. It's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. And one last thing I just want you to say is no beating yourself up if you don't do any of this, okay? No beating yourself up. It's okay. God is with you no matter what. And last advice, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. This is worth doing. Don't let perfection get in the way of doing something, okay? Just, if you can just pick one thing and add that to your life, and then add another thing to your life after that. That's how you approach it, in God's grace, all right? Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the community that you call us to be, and we get to be a part of your, part of your presence. We get to be in your presence with other people. So awesome. Thank you. Lord, I pray that your spirit will guide and anoint and empower each and every person here, O oh Lord, so that we may learn to be with you. 
we may, we may put ourselves in a place where you can take a hold of us to heal us, to transform us, to guide us, to empower us, to use us for something awesome. To love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.